Welcome back to Don't Look Under the Bed. And for those of you joining us for the first time, welcome in. We hope that you will subscribe, share, and review the show. Our guest this week is a director of sales and marketing, and she literally followed the career path set before her to become a successful sales leader. Like so many of us, Tanya Miner started her hospitality journey in operations and is now a performance-driven sales leader with the demonstrated ability to build high-performing sales teams using a collaborative approach. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Don't Look Under the Bed. I'm Robin. And I'm Nikki. And today our guest is Tanya Miner. And Tanya is someone that I worked with years ago, but I feel like she has a story to tell. She's a hospitality leader. She wears many hats. She's, she's, she's lots of things. And, um, you know, Tanya, welcome to the show. Robin and I are very lucky to have this opportunity to speak with you. And, um, you know, let's, let's get right down to it because, you know, your journey, as I said, is something that I look at. Um, I'm proud and happy to know you, mm-hmm. even happier to have had a chance to actually work with you. Um, so, hey, let's, let's tell our listeners who you are. Well, thank you, Robin, Nikki. I, it's so good to see you both. And I'm, I have a feeling by the end of this podcast, I'm going to try to recruit you to, to come work with me again, because I enjoyed working with you before. And you both are amazing ladies. And I love what you're doing in this space. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thanks. So just let's take it from the top. Tell us about your journey. So a lot of people don't realize this, but my first hotel job was at a Holiday Inn Select when that brand still existed um, in Columbia, Missouri, where I was going to school. I ad- I answered a newspaper ad in the paper. Oh. So yeah, that was 26 years ago. It's been a while. That's when that was still a thing. And um, for a PDX operator, so or a switchboard operator, Yes, <laughs> a big part of my job, it was that three to 11 gig, three to four days a week. It was setting up wake up calls because nobody had the devices to set up their own, you know, alarms and things like that. And from that, I transitioned to front desk. I was concierge. I was a bartender in a nightclub because we used to, you know, have the nightclubs attached to the hotels. Right. And that was the cool place to go. (laughs) So I would also bartend in there and then just um, made my way up into front office management um, moved to St. Louis, did, was a front office manager there for a while. And then um, my transition into sales came through event services or convention services, depending on who you work for. And, uh, you know, so got the servicing side of things down and then went into business travel sales, which is where I then met you guys. Yeah. And from business travel, went into group and was actually selling remote for a good size hotel. Um, when I was, um, chatting with somebody that I considered to be a mentor at the time. And they're like, why, why aren't you looking at being a director? And I'm like, well, I enjoy working from home and I work a market that I really enjoy working. And they're like, but you would be such a good director. You know, others saw it in me before I saw it. In yeah. me. And before I knew it, um, a position came open in 
a city that I had been in, interested in, and I applied and I got the job as an assistant director of sales. I did that with, always with the notion of, okay, let's learn everything I can learn in these two years. And then hopefully that would ready me for a director of sales role, um, which is, it happened exactly that way, which my life never happens exactly how I plan it. So that was a miracle. <laughs> um, and in that met my husband um, who, you know, uh, we were together, married, maybe, four months and had just settled into our new house when I said, hey, there's this director of sales position that I, I really want to take a look at in Cleveland, Ohio. But it's a brand new build. It would be very, you know, a great opportunity for me. I already knew a lot of the EC members there because mm-hmm. they had worked with me at another hotel. And um, I think it would be a good fit. And bless his heart, he said, okay, let's go for it. And wow. <laughs> followed me to Cleveland. And when we were there, um, had our son. So yeah, had our baby at the age of 44. So okay. wow, definitely an adjustment. I mean, it's an adjustment becoming a mom at any age, but sure. you know, um, very welcome surprise, but we didn't have any family in the Midwest really. Mm-hmm. And so I'd been in Cleveland for two years when a role came open in the Pacific Northwest that would put us a lot closer to our family. Okay. Most of our families in the Boise area, uh, my family's in Northern Maine. There's no mm-hmm. presence with our company in that part of the country. So, sure. <laughs> um, and, and it, it's Northern Maine. It's so cold. I can't yeah. manage that. Um, so yeah, I went to Spokane, loved it, really, really loved it, but always had this hope I would end up back where I'm at now in the Colorado yeah. market. Mm-hmm. And so when an opportunity came up, I wasn't quite ready to leave Spokane because it was at the end of the pandemic. And I'm, I still just want to leave it better than how I found it. But I, I didn't want to wait for Colorado open to open up again. Um, and so here I am. Wow. I have a wow. long-winded answer to No, that's no, very cool. No, but I, I think it's important and you you covered so many things. And mm-hmm. that's the cool thing about this show, even though I don't know, I probably set 10 feet away from you when we work together, there's still opportunity to learn things about people. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. that's, you know, that makes it nice. But something you touched on was mentorship. And Mm -hmm. that's something that Robin and I, uh, we, we like to touch on and we like to talk about it just from your, your, obviously it's important, but how, how did that make a difference for you? Uh, Um, I mentioned the first part of it was somebody seeing me outside of the lens I see myself in, right? Somebody else saw a potential or a drive in me or a skill set um, and started to ask me the right questions to, yeah. you know, dig further and, and determine if this was a path I wanted to take. Yeah. Um, this person also was, you know, very, um, transparent. And these are the things that I could see you having a challenge with and, and they're right. You yeah. know, they've been proved, you know, right. But those are things that I embrace as opportunities for me to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, mentorship, you know, has also looked like I've had, one of my mentors was a customer. He, you know, was a vice president with um, one of our largest customers and I really appreciated his business acumen. So became a mentor uh, to me in, in a sense as well. Um, and then directors that I've, I've worked with, um, and in my mind, a mentor should embody a leader that, you know, hands down, you would work for anytime, Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and they, they have 
as you say, that person has what you want. And when I say has what you want, I don't mean like, you know, the designer purses and the fast sports car. I mean, they just have this embodiment of, wow, that's the kind of leader I would want to be if I was a leader, you know, or they're an example that you can follow and that you can be proud of. Right. Yeah. 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 So let's take a step back for one second, because you mentioned that you were you were selling and then you went for you pursued an assistant director. Mm -hmm. What skill set did you need to go from that the salesperson to the to the assistant? Like what what is that transition like or what skills did you need to to make that step? I would say having um, a strong understanding of what my emotional IQ is or was, um, continues to be, you know, understanding how, um, what I do and say affects others, you know, cause when you're a seller, you're in your own silo in a sense, like, yes, yeah. you know, you have a vested interest in the success of your department overall. Yeah. I, I would like to say that I was that kind of seller. I wasn't, I was more of that seller in the silo. I've got this goal I need to hit and I'm going to, you know, come heck or high water, I'm going to hit it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish looking back, I wish I had been more collaborative. I've learned a lot about that. We'll talk about that a little bit more later, mm-hmm. but I would say that, um, learn being more team minded was the biggest transition for me is going from my own silo, caring about what I'm managing to how, what I do affects everybody else on my team, how it affects our customers and how it affects our owners. Wow. That's good. I like it. I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, well, what kind of seller am I? (laughs) I'm just thinking, Hmm, you know? Hmm. Yeah. That's (laughs) We'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> that's a, that's a different well, I think show. The collaboration piece. Cause a big part of my career was at one hotel in particular. And, and I don't know that the culture when I was there anyway, it's likely changed was highly collaborative. It wasn't as demonstrated, I guess. Yes, it was in some sense, mm-hmm. but I would say, you know, for a lot of the senior sellers on that role, we weren't encouraged as much to be highly collaborative. It it just wasn't part of the overall culture. And I don't know if that was a timing, the time that we were in or the leadership or a little bit of both. But um, I would say that the collaboration piece has been, been my biggest learning since transitioning from sales to leadership. That's awesome. So did you get, did you, were you trained on that? Mm -mm. You know, to be more collaborative or just kind of like, or you had a, aha, this is how I would like to see, or this is how I'd like to grow my team, or this is. I would say when I went to Cleveland, okay. it was on display there. Okay. You know, it was Got already it. very much was there. a part of their culture. Okay. And, and I really like it, you could feel it. It was palpable. Yeah. And I want, I told myself on that, that very first day, that is something I will not try to change. I want to encourage that as much as possible. Mm -hmm. So I, when you ask if I was trained on that, yeah, I would say that it was the the sellers that Mm -hmm. I was, you know, they're um, managing. They taught me the value of having that collaborative spirit and, and just always keeping everybody a part of the conversation. 
That's wow. awesome. I mean, that leads like right on to office culture mm-hmm. and, and how it, it can literally break, make or break yes. the office. Yes. Yeah, it, I'm walking through a lot of, not that in particular, like we're in a hiring season, right? And I'm trying to attract talent and interview talent. And one of the biggest things, you know, we interviewed a candidate recently and I was already kind of on the fence. And so I always get others involved in that process. Other, you know, um, key sellers that have proved themselves over time with our team and who are, you know, actually they're all key to the success of our team. And so I'll, I'll kind of set up not really a panel interview, but just a conversation with multiple people sure. with the candidate. Cause I want to make sure, yeah, okay. They're, they're qualified. Yeah. We got all that. That's those things are the easy, tangible items to mm-hmm. uncover, but having that right fit culturally, mm-hmm. you know, Nikki, to your point, mm-hmm. it, it will make or break a team. It's if important. You let yeah. Somebody in that's toxic. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's, it's really hard to recover. Yeah. That's a, I would rather wait and answer leads myself, even though I'm sure I'm doing it wrong at this point, um, <laughs> <laughs> then hire somebody that creates, that brings some toxicity into the office. Right. Yeah. It, it's so important. I mean, you, you want, you just can do so much more when everybody's on the same page. Yeah. Right. And, and that's, I mean, I know when I come into an office, I bring a lot, but that's me, <laughs> you know, yeah. but, but I'm, I'm not so oblivious to how I am. I'm still open to other people, mm-hmm. right? but I know I'm, I'm bringing a lot when I yeah. show up. <laughs> so what's it like you showing up and the team is already assembled? What's that like? So like Nikki and I, we, we went in and, you know, obviously we're the sellers going in. What's it like going in as the director and maybe there's some of the team there or part of sure. the team? What's that like? It's intimidating, especially when you know your assistant director applied for your job and is well qualified oh. for oh. it. Um, it's really intimidating. Yikes. And knowing that you're following into the footsteps of somebody that everybody really respected and admired and loved working with, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to try to be that person, but I want to make sure that they understand that I also respect Mm -hmm. what they did before me and, and and value what they did before me. And especially coming out of COVID, you know, it was even more intimidating to me in a sense that we were forced as leaders to get close with our team members in a way that would not have otherwise happened. Yeah. You know, I I got very close with my Spokane team closer Mm -hmm. than, you know, I really ever anticipated Mm -hmm. getting with a team, but that's, you know, we, given what we all went through together, you know? Um, And so coming in now I'm coming in and they've been together through COVID Mm -hmm. and they formed a bond that, that wouldn't have otherwise formed. Right. And so it's intimidating. So what did you do to overcome that? Or I know you, you, you mentioned the respect part of it, but mm-hmm. how do you, what's their reaction to you? How did, did you smooth that over? Or how did they take to you? So again, different answers for different hotels. You know, my first yeah. director role, um, I thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm coming from having a selling role, so maybe they'll be cool with that. But they were also really young, mm-hmm. um, a lot of young team members. They were, it was their first big hotel job. You know, it was the first mm-hmm. large box to open in that market. 
And um, so I think that there was an in, intimidation that they were worried, of, you know, a little nervous about me too. And so it went both ways. And, and yeah. how I broke that is, you know, having the one-on-ones, which I, I don't like to have a meeting just to have a meeting, you know, it's your time. Um, I want to talk about, you know, obviously where you are in your pipeline and things like that. But I also, I think our biggest responsibility as leaders is to develop uh, team members to grow their career, whether it's growing their career as a seller, a senior seller, they, they're very happy with what they're doing right now. Maybe they don't want to be a director, but they want to, you know, try a different market or mm-hmm. what have you. Or, and then there are those who do want to be directors or maybe want to, you know, try the event side. And so I think, um, from the onset, knowing that I'm there to help them grow their career, it's not me growing my, right. you know, career, um, has been a big part of, of how I bridge that gap. Um, I would also say, you know, I use, um, survey monkey a lot, you know, very oh, okay. anonymously, and that's easier to do with bigger teams. Like I have here, mm-hmm. um, is sending out an anonymous survey. I don't know who's responding. I yeah. make sure I ask questions in a way that I, I wouldn't be able to tell who responded in which way. Um, because I need that genuine feedback to really yeah. understand what motivates them and what keeps them engaged and how often do they want me and, you know, talking to them about their business. Wow. That is so interesting. That's and it's a, such a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's thoughtful. It's like, wow. Okay. Brilliant. Tanya, brilliant. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so you've talked about uh, your teams. You've talked about your um, going into these different markets, what's going on right now in your current market? Um, what business do you see coming back? So, you know, interesting convention association is the largest piece of our pie here. Mm -hmm. About 52% of our business right now is coming from that segment. About 30, 32% is coming from the company meetings, corporate segment, very similar to what you guys were talking about before we uh, got on was a lot of these office buildings that I'm sitting in the middle of are empty. You know, they, Mm -hmm. they may be 65, 75% leased, but only 15, 25% of the people are coming in. Yeah. Um, Smurf here in this market, it's it's about 16%, but that has been in the past because we're outpriced for that market. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it is a destination market, which is nice in a lot of ways, but, um, it also means that we don't have as strong a relationship with those folks. So when there is a downturn, it's harder for us to say, oh, but come here, you know, and, and it's just that reminder of regardless. So we've got to, you know, continue to manage and massage that market. Um, conversely, when I was in Spokane, Smurf was about 65, 70% of our market there. Wow. And I was grateful for that through COVID because a lot of the amateur sports and collegiate sports, they were all still traveling. Mm-hmm. And that was our bread and butter. And I knew nothing about sports, but <laughs> I was trying to figure it out as I go. Fortunately, I was able to bring back the sports sales manager pretty quickly. Um, and he used to be a football player for a university there. And so he knew yeah. all about all that. But, you know, oh it, boy, that's good. Yeah. Very cool. I would say local catering is the last piece. It hasn't mm-hmm. come back yet yeah. the way wow. we were hoping. I'm starting to see BT um, jump up. Oh, um, good. 
And, and we actually made hiring decisions based on the fact, an assumption that we thought that the, the local catering piece would come back a little bit better than it has. And now I'm having to tweak on that because it's just, it's not there, mostly around the corporate catering. Okay. Wow. Well, that's good to know. That it, it's still, I'm still waiting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for a little bit of everything to come back. <laughs> Well, it's, it's interesting because we, we talk about, uh, as you said, you didn't really have a plan for those Smurf markets, but the leisure traveler, like those are the ones that are, are, are driving the bus right now. Yeah. And so, you know, I like to call them the, the people that thought they couldn't come to the hotel. Well, now they can Mm -hmm. and and we want them. So Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, we do. You know, and I would also say to that around, you know, the um, leisure traveler, we saw a lot more of it last year because we were one of the fewer open markets Mm. and now everybody's open. So we're not seeing that push as strong as we did when we were one of few, you know, non-mask mandated markets, I would say. Yeah. So how are you sending your teams out? What are they, what are they doing? Give us a couple of tips. We are back on travel. So, you know, being in a larger box hotel that, you know, the convention market, citywide market is key for, for us. Um, we are going to the major trade shows again. Okay. The team is very grateful to be back at those. Um, and, you know, it's, um, I would like to say that there was a, a proactive sales effort happening, but right now we're short staffed just like mm-hmm. everybody else. And so it's yeah. really reactive. Yeah. I, our lead volume is, 105% of 2019 levels right now for the month of May. Um, but those, the transactions are smaller. So even though our, the number of transactions are there, yeah. they're smaller. They're mm-hmm. not the, you know, so it's, it's you know, 10,000 by 10,000, mm-hmm. you know, try, mm-hmm. 2,500 by 2,500 trying to build it up. Yeah. Um, so it's honestly, you know, trying to keep them from getting uh, discouraged when yeah. they have, you know, 20 leads, uh, 30 leads a week that they're trying to manage and then trying to do that follow-up piece. So um, now we're strategizing where the ADOS is helping with that pipeline, you know, the customer that they haven't really touched, they just submitted a proposal, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. doing that follow-up piece and working on the pipeline because they yeah. just, they don't have time to. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I, was, I was longing for the days. When we were walking, where we were walking, you know, or, or were oversold by like 20 rooms or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, 75% of those leads are in the year for the year. Oh my goodness. And a large majority of those are under a hundred on peak. I might need to take a look at uh, Colorado. It was cracking (laughs) because I'm hiring. Houston, Houston, we have a problem. You know, and that just goes to, to oh help goodness. me debunk, debunk the myth. A lot of people are like, oh, if you're in a conservative state, they, they've been booking meetings left and right. If you're in a liberal state that was really closed down for a long time, they're, you know, not booking meetings. And I mean, Colorado for all sakes and purposes is, is a little bit of everything, but, yeah. um, and I think our central location and our airlift really help. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's just easy to get here. It's so easy to get here. That, right. that helps a lot. That's awesome. So wow. you mentioned keeping the team, uh, motivated and things like that. What, what do you do to keep them? 
One of my favorite things to do is I have booking songs. So I have the team select one of their favorite songs. And when I'm turning their business definite at the end of the day, um, I've got the iTunes going and I'm playing their booking song. Oh, at first cool. they think it's, they're like, oh, it's so dumb, you know, but once they're doing it and they hear their song, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you love it. And you know, you do. And you know, um, and you do. do. And I have only had to veto one song. And that was a team member who had um, that song tequila and he was an EMM. So oh. he was booking a lot and one week of nut and that was over. Oh, that one. Okay. Oh no. The one of like, those eh. tequila. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no. I was like, dude, you gotta pick another song. Oh, that is so fun. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, I try to jazz it up every six months. Let's change our songs and mm. you know, let's do your favorite 90s soundtrack, a song from yeah. your favorite 90s movie or something like that. So that's one way, honestly, celebrating the team is so yeah. important. Um, but again, you know, my primary goal is to help them achieve their goals. And so staying engaged with them in a way that feels meaningful for them, because it's Mm -hmm. different for everybody. You know, I've got one team member, she wants her um, one-on-one same time every week, a specific agenda, do not deviate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like that's Mm -hmm. her personality and that's Mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. And then I have another team member. She's like, well, I'm going to call you anytime I need anything. You know, she's fully remote for us. And so Mm -hmm. she'll, you know, I'm going to call you or I'll teams you or I'll do this or I'll do that. And, um, you know, so it's, it's, it's almost, it's very personalized. I think when I think about overall motivation, but of course, you know, it depends too, because in Spokane, if I would try to have a happy hour, mm -mm, no, everybody's rolling, rolling up at five, five and they're going home. They're not, you know, they weren't about that life, but here they love to go out, you know? And so it also depends Mm -hmm. on, on the group of folks, um, that you're with. And then I would say another thing I try to do every year is I do a sales retreat. Once we have the goals in place, I get everybody together. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is where we need to get, this is where we're at. Let's talk as a group. Um, how are we, you know, going to come, come up with that yeah. Crack that nut, basically. Yeah. Sort and of a kickoff meeting. Yeah. Yeah. To yeah. That too. That's so important to do to kind of set it out and yeah. and set the strategy right. so that everybody knows what their piece of the pie is, how right. they're going to contribute. Yeah. That's. And then I carry that on to our monthly sales meeting. Yeah. You know, is, is a check back of, okay, here are the outstanding things that we were working on here um, is what we've added to the books. Is, is how much further we've got to go. Do we need to tweak any of this plan? You know, it's no longer the send me your quarterly action plans and updates. Like it's having a, com- a physical conversation about it versus just having it all on paper and maybe looking at it once or twice a year. Yeah. I like that. It's living. Yes. You know, it becomes a a living, a living practice for everybody. Yeah. Wow. And it grows that consistency. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Well, Tanya, what advice do you have for our listeners (laughs) out there, out there in these hospitality streets? (laughs) You know, I would say embrace technology, work it, help you you know, in a way that works for you, not against you is one of the things that I've had to learn. Um, You know, working the work from home hybrid model, I think is an industry, especially in the sales arena, we need to embrace that. Uh, It's something that I'm finding in order to get good talent that we have to be open to fully remote to um, having those in market, out of market, 
hybrid situation, you know, it's, I'm not going to micromanage you to your goal. So whether you're sitting next to me or you're sitting in Timbuktu, it's my job to give you, you know, the tools and the resources and the support needed to be successful, but then let me get out of your way. Okay. And I'm not going to micromanage you um, to a goal because micromanaging takes away from my life work balance. I don't have time to do that. You know, I get home and even if I have every intention on getting back on online, oops, my light went out. Sorry. Oh, that's all right. Being in the green um, <laughs> building, but um, you know, in order for me to have my life work balance, you know, when I'm home, I'm home and I'm with, yeah. with my, my son and my husband. And when yeah. I'm here, I'm here as much as I can be. Cause yes, that three-year-old might get pink eye and I have to go pick him up at daycare and yeah. you know, life happens and yeah. it's, you know, life on life's terms, we can figure it out. Let's just keep moving forward and we can figure it out. So what you're saying is hotel sales can be done remote. A thousand percent. You don't have to be on property. I'm (laughs) just, that's the message asking for a friend. So (laughs) yeah, as somebody who, you know, I worked remote, um, fully remote for a large convention hotel. And I've been in different roles where I've had remote team members and it's something that, but it's, it, again, different by market. Like in Spokane, yeah. nobody wanted to work from home. They all were like, no, I'm coming in. They were not, they <laughs> just like that structure, I guess. It was interesting. And I was like, you know, you could work from home on a kid. No, they just wanted to come in, which is They cool. wanted to come in and they wanted to leave at five. Listen, they had 455. Yeah. <laughs> 455. Okay. Yeah, cool. If you're making your goals, fine. Yeah. You know, but yeah. Um, and then here it's definitely everybody, you know, we have a work from home policy in place or hybrid model in place where they can work from home three days a week. Should they decide they want to do that and be in office two days a week? And yeah, you can be remote and be wildly successful. You can. Yes. Yes. So we're looking in the crystal ball. What's your optimistic outlook for the future of hospitality as we come out of this? (laughs) Oh man, my crystal ball broke during budget season. Yeah, it did. (laughs) (laughs) That's, you know, I, my hope, my hope is that we start doing a better job as an industry, getting into these schools and universities and talking to young people about what a a great industry it is. Because, you know, somebody asked me a question when I was um, actually interviewing for this role and they're like, had you known, you know, in 2020 that you were going to take a 20% pay cut and you were going to, you know, everything was going to cancel off the books and you were going to lay off most all of your staff and Mm -hmm. do that. Would you still do it? And now being on the other end of it, I learned a lot about myself and my team about our industry. I learned, I was driving shuttles airport shuttles. I was <laughs> learning things on the marketing side of things that I, I, I didn't fully comprehend before. Yeah. Like it forced me to really learn things that I, I don't think I would have otherwise learned. Yeah, we Nikki have an amazing- was a barista. <laughs> <laughs> and I was good. You were good. I bet you were. I my coffee from you any day. Oh yeah. It pushed us. The yeah, pandemic yeah. definitely, it, 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 it pushed push us. us. But, you know, so I would say in order for this industry to continue um, to see the success that it has, you know, like in back in 2019, um, it's it's encouraging and educating 
the young people in the schools right now about our industry. Yeah. Um, I think that's really where the opportunity is and the company that figures out um, how to work this gig economy into what we're doing. Mm-hmm. The first mm-hmm. company that figures that out are going to be the ones that win. Oh, they're going to be the winners. Yeah. That's so, so true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh. Well, Tanya, we appreciate you so, so much. <laughs> Thank um, you. you. Dropped a bunch of jewels and gems for our listeners. And um, also, you know, like every show that we do, we learn something as well. So we appreciate yes. you. Thank you. I appreciate it too. It Thank was fun. Thank you for coming on. Yes. Thank yes. you, friend. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Don't Look Under the Bed. We appreciate your support of the show. Please subscribe, share, and leave a review. Thank you.